preaching on Hebrews 4 this morning, which is about entering God's rest. It's a big word, and it's covering lots and lots of different areas. Yes. And he's meant to be read. You, Aya, you choose. What would you like to do? Upstairs, I'll choose somebody else. I was going to do some reading for me, but I'll choose somebody else at random, so just be on your toes. Okay, so I'm preaching on rest. Um, your homework for this series is to read the chapter beforehand. Now, if you're like me, the week seems to rush past very quickly and you may not have read it. I'm not going to put it up because it's actually quite a tricky one to read and understand here and now, but I will dip into it so you will understand hopefully. My understanding of rest um, in your heart is that you're at peace. You're not striving, which has actually been coming up in some of the songs we've been singing. You're not worrying. You're not feeling a weight on your shoulders, not feeling like it's all up to you. It's a challenge, I think, in today's world. And I think those challenges continue in every season of life. Um, I, pers I don't know whether through having this preach sit with me for quite a few weeks, I've been aware how often I am not in God's rest, or whether it's just a particularly challenging season, but um, I do hope you're blessed by today. This passage tells us that rest is ours to take. If you've made a decision to follow God, if you know him, if you're a Christian, then today that rest is available to you. That's the offer in Hebrews 4, and we definitely need it. So it's possible to be a Christian, actually, and not know his rest. So this morning I want to explore what rest is, how we can miss it, and the best news of all, how we can actually find it. Um, so kind of so roughly pricey what it is, is chapter 4, not surprisingly, follows chapter 3. And chapter 3 is a warning about the unbelief of the Israelites. And in chapter 4, it continues uh, with a warning, and the writer... Uh, who, by the way, people aren't really sure who it is. Um, but he, presumably he, um, talks about the Israelites under Moses and Joshua and how they missed God's rest because they didn't mix what they heard about and from God with belief. The next slide, please. Looking particularly at verses 6 and 7 and 9 to 11. Does anybody want to read that instead of me? Remy, thank you for volunteering. So God's rest is there for people to enter. Oh, that version. Okay. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 9. There, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So rest is definitely salvation, 
That's like an everlasting rest. That the God brought about through the death of his son Jesus Christ cancelled sin so that we can be right with God. What we do is we believe, we repent, which is turn away from our unbelieving ways, and we have Jesus as Lord of our lives. And God, he does everything else. He gives us eternal rest. He gives us peace when we die, end of suffering. And we get to live with God in unending rest for eternity. Salvation is an amazing thing of that eternal rest. But it's actually wonderful because it isn't just eternal rest. It is rest available to us every day, all of the time. Can I have the next one, please? Looking at verse 4 and again verse 9. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And then 9 to 10. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did with his. It, when he says somewhere, it says, he's obviously you know, talking about Genesis, where God created the world in six days and then rested on the seventh day. And so we can have that same Sabbath rest. So, but it's not just referring to, you know, every seven days we get to have a bit of a rest like God did. It's more than that. If we think about God, um, he's resting from his creation of the world. He created the world, it was created, and then he is able to rest, chooses to rest for all eternity. So when we rest, it isn't just a temporary once a week thing. It's possible for it to be continual, I think. Well, that's a mystery, isn't it? If you think about God resting, and you think about him, head behind his hand, um, hands behind his head, feet up on the sofa, uh, kicking back, just chilling. But actually, in God, all of creation continues to be. So God is like exerting control and is active even though he is resting. The next one, please. Isaiah 4, um, Isaiah 40, 26 is a, a lovely one that seems to sort of encapsulate this bit. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Rochelle mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and she was saying that um, nothing exists if God doesn't decide for it to exist. But also then, also, everything continues to exist because he says so. Every little atom, which not being a scientist, I'm not the faintest what it is, but tiny little thing, Every flower, the stars, the moon, every child, every grain of sand, it all exists with the sustaining power of God, even when he's resting. Next slide, please. When I was a student, loads of people used to have this, like this, on their, on their bedrooms. It was trendy back in the late 80s, early 90s. Let go and let God. It's sort of like a passive image, I think. You know, we do nothing, God does everything. Like rest is the absence of action. It is the presence of peace, um, I think, but it isn't not doing anything because God continues to be fruitful even when he's resting. And when we're resting, we are still being productive. That's what our rest looks like, like God's, I think. And it isn't just that we are producing and being fruitful. I think as well, it's joy and satisfaction. By the end of the sixth, sixth day, it, the Bible says that God had made everything in the universe and saw that it was good. I think we can infer then that it gave him pleasure. 
and a sense of a job well done. And we can experience that as well. On a Thursday, um, I have our grandchildren, two grandchildren, and um, they arrive about quarter to seven and they leave about half four. It's a long day. And um, Tim is around, but he's working upstairs. And if uh, Jossie and Naomi ask where Mummy and Daddy are, I'll say, Mummy, yes, she's at work. Daddy, she's at work. And then if Grandad's not around, um, where's Grandad? They'll just say, Grandad? And I'll say, Grandad's at work. Tim has, when he comes down at lunchtime, now taught them a little sort of phrase. We say, Daddy work, Mummy work, Grandad work. And they call me Momo. And he'll say, the Momo work, and he'll get them to laugh hilariously. <laughs> because... <laughs> As far as they're concerned, everybody else was at work, Mormo's not working. Even though she's there from quarter to seven. And so. <laughs> but in a way, they're right. It's exhausting, but it's a joy. And it's not a heavy burden like some stuff is for us. You know, like serving in church shouldn't be a burden. It would be hard work and challenging. Serving, serving and loving his people, serving the wider community. Yeah, it, it, it is challenging, but the joy should carry us through it. Our work situations, I work in the public sector, lots of you do, and even if it isn't the public sector, I feel like the season we're in is really stressful and really challenging for so many of us. And, and it, God wants us to have his rest, even though some of our hours are long and it's challenging. And it is possible, that's what this passage says, it's possible to enter his rest even when we are in challenging situations. The next verse, please, Tim. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In our world, then, I understand, I think, that rest looks like working purposefully, having peace in your heart. It's like a settledness that means um, also that your thought life is good. I do think physical rest and recreation is important and definitely social interaction. But over and above all this is that all of our activity comes through and from God. Next one, please. This is a lovely verse. And uh, there's a chorus, of, there's, a, there's a worship song as well that is just really lovely. As they make music, they will sing, All my fountains are in you, Psalm 87, 7. And that's the idea, and I know a lot of you are familiar with this, that we drink from God. And I do think, you know, we get pleasure from other areas. I do like a little bit of shop at Blue Water. Food's lovely. You enjoy other things as well, and they're not wrong, but ultimately our satisfaction, our rest comes from God. And the more we drink from him, the more he is our source, and the more we get rest. It's possible to miss out on God's rest. And that's, in this passage, talking about disobedience. In the context of this passage, the Israelites missed God's rest because they didn't mix hearing his word with faith. And they're also told not to harden their hearts, which is a verse that we'd already read. A hardened heart think about it, it doesn't really, you can't really function anymore. It's not pliable and responsive. A hardened heart often refers to non-Christians, but in this passage it's talking about Christians actually. And it's the same point really about us needing to mix any hearing that we hear from God with faith. 
It's when we don't listen to God. Maybe we're not trusting in him um, or in all that we should. Maybe we're not believing his promise over a particular thing. It's a life lived independently, even if we don't really mean to. And if we live our life independently, if we haven't got God as our source, then we're not going to experience his rest. Why? Because we're being in charge of something that we were never meant to be in charge of, our lives. When Tim and I were first married, I had a little transistor radio, and it broke. Uh, Tim is a, he's got a master's in electrical engineering. So although the radio wasn't that new, we didn't have the instructions, thought, you know, he's got a master's in engineering, how hard can it be? <laughs> so he took it apart, all the bits on the carpet. He couldn't not only not fix it, he couldn't get the bits back together again. <laughs> so uh, I had to sweep all those bits of the radio up into the dustpan and they went in the bin. The thing is, is that he wasn't qualified to fix that radio, as we found out. <laughs> and we are not qualified to fix our own lives. God is our manufacturer. Okay, we need to look to him. He knows how to fix us. He know knows what will bring us rest. And when we look to him, that's when we rest. So, good news. How do we get this rest? Uh, slide eight. This is just, just a lovely bit of Hebrews 4 to just soak in. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is uniquely qualified to give us rest. To get rest, we need to believe, we need to be convinced of the truth. That was true of the Jews who were reading Hebrews 4, and it's true for us. Now before Jesus, as a lot of you know, the Jews got their rest, their peace, by making lots of sacrifices, and once a year, a nominated person from a tribe, it was the Levites actually, once a year used to go into the temple, make a sacrifice, and that would kind of atone, it would, it would cover all the sins of the people. But in this passage, it's talking about Jesus being the only priest who can actually achieve for us eternal rest, both now and forevermore. Firstly, he was fully human. Verse 15, it talks about him being tempted in every way. Now, he didn't face every temptation that we have, but he would have faced probably the root of all the temptations and the struggles that we have. He faced them and was victorious. And I find that absolutely amazing, I don't know about you. The God who created the whole world, who is all-powerful, who conquered death, who sees everything, is able to see everything in all of time, at all, you know, all times, in every place. That God um, personally knows what it's like for each and every one of us to suffer in our situation. He could have said, God, this God of the whole universe, yet I've faced those struggles, I've defeated them, it's no biggie, just get on with it. But no, he sympathises with how tough our situations are, the, as the little people that we are. He understands that they are tough, and he understands when we blow it, when we don't 
face up to those temptations and it doesn't feel like we're succeeding. Jesus was also sinless. He's uniquely able to enter into the presence of our holy God the Father to be our champion. And again, we sang it this morning, didn't we? Everybody else who would enter into God's presence would be too sinful to even get near to God. He is the spotless lamb. There's nobody purer than him. He achieves what nobody else can. I don't know about you, but I get upset when I blow it, when I am thoughtless, tactless, when I say stuff I shouldn't, and when I do, don't do stuff I should. I really am devastated. But then, you know, I'm beginning to realise, should realise all the time, that, you know, I was never the one whom God was that impressed with anyway. No, it's Jesus. He's the pure one who gets my salvation, not me. There's nothing in me that can earn or achieve or get there. It's Jesus, isn't it? My forgiveness rests on him, not on my ability to be as good as I think I'm going to be. God isn't shocked when I blow it. There is his, Jesus' blood to cover it. I can rest. I need to rest quicker than I do. That rest was achieved for me because Jesus is pure, not me. Also, and he is also the son of God, a conquering king who defeated death. Uh, later on in Hebrews, in chapter 9, it says that a human priest used to enter the temple making a sacrifice of blood that wasn't his own, and they used to use a lamb. Jesus, however, was the sacrifice. The blood he offered was his own. He isn't a stand-in, he's the real deal. He has the real power for us. Hebrews 9.26, it talks about his sacrifice being once for all. That's all that was needed. Absolutely nothing from us. Everything came from Jesus. And that's why the final verse in this chapter talks about us having confidence. Because it's all on Jesus and none of it is on us, we can have confidence to receive God's rest. The only other thing that is a, an interesting one that we need to be aware of in this chapter is in verse 11 it talks about make every effort. So you could think if he hadn't have put that in, that, okay, all you've got to do is believe and the rest should be easy. Okay, yeah, God, I believe, hooray, I've got rest. But it isn't, it isn't as easy as that. And I, I really love the way that when we read the Bible, it's so honest and real. So that little bit about make every effort understands that sometimes rest doesn't come immediately to us. Sometimes we need to make an effort. But we just need to have a bit of a red flag moment because if you're not careful, we could think about making every effort as it becoming like a works thing for us. You know, trying hard to please God and then we'll get a sense of peace and rest. For me, you know, not going along thinking I'm doing okay and that giving me rest and then suddenly the rest going when I realise I've blown it. No, the rest is in God alone. You know, some people trying to maybe get rest by serving a lot by trying to be kind, to be patient, maybe how much the Bible you're reading, how many prayers you've managed that day. All of it is a measure that we are putting on ourselves. And if we are interpreting this verse like that, it goes against every other verse in the Bible that talks about God's blessing being through faith alone and not through works. So I understand that it really this effort needs to be about being serious about our faith. 
renewing our mind so that we have God as our source and not something that we just sip from occasionally. We need to know God's heart and his promises. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's difficult. In my family, well, I'm the sort of person who finds conflict really stressful. And, and it's not major conflict. Maybe there's a little disagreement between our kids or maybe my siblings aren't getting on very well for a short while. It isn't a big deal, but it causes me lots of stress. Uh, sometimes it affects my sleep and stuff. Something happened a, a few weeks ago, but it followed on from a... Um, our Tuesday group, our best group, where I think it was Fiola, might have been Esther, was talking about something and they said that it's okay because I've got a word on that. And they had heard from God, they had a word and therefore they had rest. And I was driving along to work thinking about this situation in the family and worrying about when the conflict would be sorted, how long it would take, whether I would have to go and say something, and if I did I bet it would backfire. And it came to me that Esther or Fiona saying that about getting a word. And I got a word, like a little download from Holy Spirit as I was driving along because I suddenly realised what was obviously true. That God is a God of peace. And of course he's going to be bothered about it. Of course he's going to sort it out because God's a God of peace. There's lots of things about the peace in the Bible. Therefore, I know it's something that's on his heart. Therefore, I don't need to do anything. And suddenly this weight lifted off me. You know, it's obvious, but we need Holy Spirit to come in and remind us again of stuff. And I felt such a sense of rest, and I didn't think about it again, and surprise, surprise, it got sorted within days. So that's what we need. And it actually says in this passage as well about the Word of God being sharper than a double-edged sword. There's nothing like the Bible, or a prophetic word, or worship, to help us enter into God's rest. Now, when I open my Bible, if I'm stressed about something, it's like, phew, you feel this weight lifting off you, don't you? It's the same with worship songs. I don't know about you, but I'm not great at listening to worship songs that talk to God and thank him for helping us in difficult times, because I accidentally focus on the difficult times again. But you may enjoy those songs. I really like the declaration ones that remind me of God's truth and help me look away from my problem look towards God. Yeah. I'm really loving at the moment um, a worship song that Rochelle introduced which we already know, uh, Matt Redman's Face Down, because that's a song that helps us understand the, the awe and the majesty of God and I love being reminded how small I am in a good way, not that I'm a worm but that I'm small and God's immense and I can trust him because he's powerful and worthy of that trust that I put in the other thing I've loved, isn't it good that we can hear from each other all the time? A couple of weeks ago, Jo was preaching and she said how we need to tell ourselves to shut up sometimes. And I have been doing that. And it's so nice. <laughs> Not telling Jo to shut up, telling me to shut up. Because I do go down little holes of unbelief and I'm in a loop. And I worry and think about the future without God, because that's what unbelief is, it's looking into the future and thinking about things where God isn't there and God isn't sovereign. So actually we do, I do need to tell myself to shut up sometimes if it's a lie. So you focus on the truth through worship, through the Bible, through 
words that other Christians might bring you, and you also need to challenge yourself not to believe lies. Because this rest is our birthright. It's a wonderful part of salvation, and we need to get militant about it. Before we lift a finger, we need to be aware that we have everything that we need right from the beginning, right from the point of salvation. We need to be militant. Don't let the devil rob you of the rest that is yours in him. We don't have to strive. We believe. We rest in that rest that, we, in, that has been won for us already. You know, the Israelites in the Old Testament are making regular sacrifices, waiting once a year to enter that temple. And you think, when they made that, when the Levites went in and made that sacrifice, it must have been immediately, hours, days later, that the guilt started falling back on the Israelites as they tried to make their own sacrifices and had to wait another whole year. And we just need to be careful that we don't do something similar, that we don't accept, and this is what I've been aware of as I've been preparing this, that, that I don't accept unrest, stress on my shoulders because it is not our birthright. God help us to understand and identify when we are walking with the stress on us which is not from God. Let us rush to him quickly to lift it off. We shouldn't have those feelings of guilt or even waiting for a Sunday or trying to be good enough through works so that we feel okay about ourselves. It's all as accepting a lie. We're not striving up a hill towards God's rest. It's ours already. We're walking downhill, having it already. It's all sorted. So yes, we need to make some effort to focus and use the resources that are still around us, but not in our own strength. Verse nine, um, slide nine, please. Writer here is talking about you know the job he's doing, proclaiming and uh, teaching people to be Christians. But <coughs> verse twenty nine, we can all take. So he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Now this is the glorious promise that we have for today, right now, is that we can have rest today, we can have it now, through Jesus who won that rest for us, and it is he who works powerfully in us so we can experience his rest. Fiona, would you like to end in prayer for us, please? I just want to um, reread that verse you said, Hebrews 11, um, verse 4. And it says, it's, some versions say, um, labour to enter <coughs> that rest. Which, again, Katrina said, is like working up something. We have to do something in our own strength. Yeah. But the NLT version says, so let us do our best to enter that rest. Now my kids, whatever they're doing, wherever they were going for exams, I was like, you know, if a D is your best grade, then it's a D. Always do your best. And that's what God's saying here. Make an effort to do what you can to enter that rest. One thing I do when there's a storm and a turmoil going on in my mind, or you just, you're uneasy. Your mind's thinking about a situation or a circumstance that you're worrying about. 
So one thing I do, as in labour, to enter that rest is I put my hand on my head, I close my eyes, and I say, peace, be still. <coughs> because Jesus told us to talk to the storm. So those storms that are raging inside of us, we speak to. And so I just want to do a little activation this morning where you just place your hands on your head. You can all do that now. Close your eyes. Focus inside. Whatever's going on, whatever's going around in your brain. And it might not be anything that you're worrying about. It just <coughs> means you want to come into a place of rest with God, but you're thinking about work or whatever. We're just going to say out loud to ourselves, peace. And repeat this. I speak peace to my body, to my mind, and to my soul. In Jesus' name. That's the difference between toil and rest. It's effortless. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you are always drawing us into a place of peace and rest with you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that as we come and we give you our little offering and we say peace, we just want to sit with you, we just want to be with you, Lord, that you meet with us every time, Lord. Every time that we feel that turmoil or that worry coming, creeping up, Lord, remind us, Holy Spirit, to just enter that rest, Lord, that it's always there for us, Lord. So I speak peace over all of God's people. In Jesus' name.